Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds be pleasing to you, O Lord. Amen. Foolishness to the Greeks. We often try really hard in our lives not to be foolish, right? Right? We maybe have set up these rules of what it looks like to be foolish, and and we don't want to venture down into something that's too far afield from foolishness, or we maybe don't want those loved ones, our loved ones, to venture too far afield into what we discern as being foolish. And I think part of the reason is, is because we've been down those roads before. We know where that foolishness can lead. And we don't want our loved ones to go there and suffer the same way we did. And yet, we believe in a God who is foolish by the world's standards. Right? Just, just think a moment for, for the gospel, for the, the lessons we just heard read, because there are like 30 sermons out of the text you just heard read today, right? Like, I could go on for five weeks straight, not just on Sunday mornings, but talking for five weeks about what we just heard from Scripture today. Love justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Oh my gosh, if I could just unpack that word, love mercy, that phrase love mercy there, like that's five sermons right there. But I don't want to do that today because I don't want to bore you with another vocab lesson. It's hesed, it means loving kindness, love, loving kindness. Go and, and think about that for a minute. Love, loving kindness, love who, anyway. But I want to focus today on this line that Paul has that this message of the cross is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles or foolishness to the Greeks. It doesn't make any sense to anybody. It doesn't follow any system of logic that we've ever created in the world. In fact, we have an entire discipline in the church called systematic theology that tries to explain it. And at the end of the day, we just sort of say, eh, we don't quite get it. Because we believe in a God who is foolish, a God who is willing, who comes to earth to live with us to dwell with us, to be in tight, close community with us. A God who, because God is willing to dwell with us, the second person of the Trinity as Jesus Christ, as a human being, as the most human being you're ever going to read about or see in this world, that means that God is going to die. God knows this. God doesn't necessarily know, I don't think, how God is going to die. Might have some inclinations as to how things are going to end up. And that's the foolish part of this, right? Is that we believe in a God who willingly allows God's self to die. 
We're in the season after Epiphany. We've had this amazing understanding of who God is. This, that God is present in this small child and that this Jesus is God with us. This is God. It's not just somebody who looks a lot and acts a lot like God, but this person is God. And the natural epiphany after that is if God is fully human, God gets to die as well. God gets to be buried. We'll talk about that on Good Friday. We'll spend Lent thinking about that, preparing for the death of God. And God gets to be resurrected. Resurrection now, this is the really logical thing, right? It's like we, we can maybe like suspend belief about God coming to be with us, but we have never seen anything in this world that dies and comes back to life, right? We have miracles in, in tables, like, like on operating tables or in, in ERs of people who, who die for a little bit and come back to life, but we really don't have any experiences in this world except for Lazarus and Jesus of somebody who was dead for three days and was resurrected. And it is through this lens, through this understanding of God with us, of God living with us, of God being in close relationship with us, of God dying and being resurrected, where we understand that God has empathy for us beyond what we could ever imagine. God loves us so much, is going to see us as we're being foolish, and continue to love us. Because if there's anything I probably don't need to tell each and every one of you is that you've maybe been foolish at points in your life. You've maybe made a couple of mistakes at some point in your life. And maybe today you're harboring regrets still for decisions you've made in the past in your life. Right? And when Jesus, like Moses, climbs a mountain and dispenses his beatitudes and shares with us these wonderful teachings, and it's not um, the beatitudes, it's the beatitudes. These are statements of blessings. These are not ways to be, but these are ways of how we are um, blessed because we find ourselves in points of suffering. So let me read um, that lesson from, um, part of that lesson from the, the message translation by Eugene Peterson, who takes a slightly different, um, you know, he, he does a, he's a little bit more liberal with his translation. He um, 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 sort of gooses things around a little bit, as we say. We, like, you are blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God 
and God's rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be purchased. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, but count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and that they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For they don't like it. I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. In the moments of your brokenness, you're blessed by God. In the moments when you feel most alone, most apart from the world, because the world shouts things against you, you're not good enough. Nobody loves you. God loves you right then and there. We live in a world today where we're always comparing each, ourselves with each other. When I was a kid, we called it keeping up with the Joneses. I don't know what they call it now, but every time I'm on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, people are living their best lives, and I only see the good things. And I'm so tempted to try to live into that life, look like that. But I often find myself failing. And I often find myself turning to this meal, which fills me right up, surprises me, shows me exactly who God is. That I can run up and down the aisle with joy and be a little foolish. Yeah. 
So I invite you to embrace the times of your life when you've been foolish. Remember those spaces, those times when you've been hanging on to something that you maybe don't want to hang on to, where you're still holding tight to something that's gone poorly in the past. Revisit those spaces, those places, and wonder if maybe this God who came to earth was incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ, lives with us, and dies with us, and is resurrected, if that foolish story that is there to show God's love for us, that that foolish story is for each and every one of us, and that foolish story gives God the empathy that God needs, or maybe we see in that story that God has the empathy that God needs to love us right where we're at, right in the moments of our pain and suffering that were yesterday, that were today, that will be tomorrow. This season after Epiphany reminds us that God has come for us. God claims us, outsiders that we are, blesses us, and brings us into God's reign. Or we can't but live foolishly. Amen.